Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Extra Point Podcast. My name is Todd Stiles. I'm one of the pastors here at First Family. And the Extra Point Podcast is the opportunity we take every Tuesday, for the most part, and um, just bring some additional insight, some extra material, maybe you could call it some bonus uh, elements, uh, to the text that we preached last week. Um, and, and this week, I'd like to, on this Tuesday, June the 8th, just uh, actually not only go back to last Sunday and just show you one other item from that text in Romans 8, but I want to jump back even the week before that when we looked at the restoring work of the Holy Spirit and just kind of bring to you three uh, views on one portion of the text in Joel and Acts that sometimes is hard to place. So I'll start there. Uh, if you could just kind of rewind with me, <clears throat> rewind with me uh, a couple of weeks. If you recall, we looked at Joel 2 and the prophecy that God would pour out His Spirit on all flesh, meaning all of His family, that there'd be a time coming, an initiating event when His Spirit would be to all who believed. He, the Spirit would indwell all believers, not just reside in or on a few in a temporary fashion, but would reside in all believers permanently. That's the initiating event, and between that event and then, of course, the culminating event, which I think is listed in Joel 2 and Acts 2 as well, the great and awesome day of the Lord, there is this window or period of restoration. What I want to look at and, and explain a little more uh, in regards to um, the views available would be the description of the day of the Lord in both Joel 2 and Acts 2. Here's how it reads. I'll just read you some of the phrases. Um, after the uh, prophet declares, and as after Peter repeats the prophet, that uh, God would pour out His Spirit on all flesh, uh, they both then say that I will show wonders in the heavens above, signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness, the moon to blood, before the day of the Lord comes in the great and magnificent day. Now, any uh, just plain, simple reading of Acts 2 shows us that those things did not occur at Pentecost. So there has to be some either other explanation for how those things are true uh, within this prophecy. So what's going on? What could those words and phrases be pointing to? And there are basically three views. I think that um, people have kind of rallied around. The first one, of course, is that it refers to the second coming of the Lord. Um, that's where I stand, and that's where I land. I see a gap, so to speak, between, oh, verse 18 and... Acts 2 and verse 19 in Acts 2, I see the great day of the Lord as the culminating event on this window of restoration, and I see Pentecost as the initiating event. It's not an uncommon view. Um, that view can be held regardless of where you land in regards to the timing of the Lord's return. I think those words, often um, used in Revelation 6 about the sixth seal, uh, they just describe the second coming of the Lord. That's one view to take, and that's where I stand. Another view is they, descri they describe the events that occurred at the crucifixion. And so perhaps Joel is, is describing what occurs in this same general time frame of the crucifixion, the resurrection, the ascension, Pentecost, all within that uh, time frame, 50 to 60 days, you know. Um, 
And so it could refer to things that happened at the crucifixion. It's, it's, it would be somewhat symbolic language there. Uh, a third view is that it refers to the ascension, and this is a very intriguing view, and some people that I, um, I read, they actually hold to this view, um, and they, they have um, an understanding that when he talks about the clouds um, it's, and Christ coming on them and these things happening, uh, it's, it's poetic, symbolic language to describe a very cataclysmic event, and that often when he says he's coming on the clouds, we read that as he's coming to us on the clouds. They would maintain that it means he's coming to his Father on the clouds. And so they see these words as describing the ascension, and perhaps they might say, and I would just want to make sure I use the word might there, there are some in that group, maybe some others who would say that the destruction of the temple in 70 AD might actually be the day of the Lord or the judgment upon Israel. And so I just wanted to bring that to you. Um, you know where I stand on that. Um, this is one of those elements I think we can disagree on and have different views and debate and discuss and yet remain good friends and not divide over this. But I didn't mention this in the message, and I think it's, it's, it's interesting to say the least. And so that, that language in Joel 2 and Acts 2 uh, it did not happen at Pentecost, so where do you place it? And I think you're left with one of three views, either the crucifixion, the ascension, or the soon-to-be second coming of the Lord. Regarding last week's text, Romans chapter 8, which, by the way, what a delightful journey we took through those verses, and there's so much there that we couldn't cover. Um, we just kind of aimed our emphasis upon the Spirit's uh, work there in those verses, and I was even struggling to, to uh, you know, just decide, okay, what extra elements can I bring even to the Extra Point podcast? Because Romans 8, as many of you know, is considered the greatest chapter in the Bible. That's up for debate, too, but it's a beautiful chapter, just stocked full, loaded with truth and insight and encouragement. Here's what I think I want to just share with you about those first 17 verses that I did not mention Sunday, and that's this. You'll notice that as he talks about uh, the expectations that there are for followers of Christ who have the Spirit of God, who are indwelt by the Spirit. Notice the movement uh, is in, I would say, two parts, or you could say there's two dimensions of movement in this text. There's one that, that moves from the mind to the body. You'll notice that in the first few verses, mainly verses 1 through 7, he talks about the mind that is set on the Spirit versus the mind that is set on the flesh, and then he talks about the body. And I think maybe an implied application would be this. Uh, this is the order of control or discipline or effect that, that's seen in Scripture. It starts in the mind, and it moves to the body. And often uh, the battle is for the mind first. You know, the Bible talks about how we're to renew our mind, and then we are, of course, to give our bodies. Um, so both matter. It's not that one doesn't matter, but there does seem to be in the Scriptures an order to what we'd call sanctification or transformation by the Spirit, and that is we start with the mind, and then as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And uh, our minds are the... Um, you know, the controlling hub of our bodies. So I think it's very interesting that in that text we see that movement. There is a, a strong call 
to setting our minds on the things of the Spirit, and then there is the strong call to making sure we put to death the deeds of the body, and it, it will follow in that order. Another dimension of movement in this text, Romans 8, 1 through 17, is there is a movement from the past to the present to the future. And I'll admit to you, it is woven throughout the verses, but do you, do you notice in the 17 verses how there is a reference to the gospel, Christ dying for our sins, uh, His righteousness being applied to us, and then the Spirit indwelling us in the current moment, uh, empowering us to live um, in victory over sin, and then the promise that these bodies, though they are decaying and though that they will die physically, they'll be raised by the one who raised Jesus by the Spirit. And so here the Spirit is empowering this movement uh, from past to present to future, and what a promise and what a hope that we have been given power over sin in the present, and we we are promised power over sin's final result in the future, and that is death. In fact, there is no death for the Christian. There's It's only a doorway uh, to eternal life with the Father. And so it's just interesting to me, there are two movements in these 17 verses, a movement from mind to body, and a movement from the past to the present to the future. All of these, or both of these, are movements that are empowered by the indwelling Holy Spirit of God. And I trust that over these last several weeks and the next several weeks to come, you're continuing with me to learn more, to hunger more, to thirst more for for the power and presence of God, the Holy Spirit, and that we'll continue to see His hand move among us, uh, His work be manifestly and actively present with us. This is what I pray every day, and I'm trusting you're praying that with me. And until next week, I hope this has been a helpful few moments on the Extra Point Podcast. I'll talk to you again either this weekend or next Tuesday.